On this episode of Building Men, Overcoming Mental Hurdles, Empathy, and the Unorthodox Approach to Six-Pack Abs. Welcome to the Building Men Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Meralda. Welcome to the Building Men Podcast. This is Dennis Meralda. Building Men is geared toward helping you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So this episode, I have my younger brother, my best friend, Anthony Meralda on again. Welcome, Anthony. I'm great. <laughs> so, so good to see you, brother. <laughs> I'm sorry. You got to <laughs> I was zoning out. <laughs> that was the moment right there. I was, I was just listening to your voice and it just sounded, it sounded I was like, wow, he sounds so professional. <laughs> so good. Wait, I was awesome. like, and then I realized like it's my turn to respond. <laughs> I got caught up because I realized I'm like, I just got in the trance of your, your speaking. It was really good. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm working on it. I really, uh, yeah, I'm super happy to be here. <laughs> Listen, I think we just fucking roll with this right now. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. So listen, so the last time, this will be a little bit different. The last time that you were on, or the, maybe the first time you were on, I recently spoke about just the difference in the podcast from the very beginning, the inception. You were there with me when we first started up the podcast. And we did, it was like the five pillars of fitness yeah. we were talking about. And I still remember we were sitting in the sun in the house in Bordentown. And I was sitting there, the mic was kind of between us. And um, it was really like the computer was in front. We had it scripted. So we even had it scripted to where I would be like, ask Anthony a question about a funny story yep. about fitness. And then I would, and it would be like, Anthony responds with, and then I would say what the story was, right? right? Which happened to me, but I had to read it off the script there every time. That's funny. You should mention that, brother. Funny. Respond with laughter. And then, <laughs> <laughs> good one, brother. Yeah, that was, I was like debating taking a Xanax before I came here. I was having like a full-blown panic attack just walking in. No, 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 no. I'm saying the first first time that we did it. Yeah, yeah. I was literally freaking out the whole day. I'm like, this this is going to be, for some reason, we were literally talking with a mic between us. And I've never been more, you would have thought I was speaking in front of 10,000 people in a stadium. I was just like, this is going to be terrible. I'm going to blow this. I'm going to say something that I shouldn't. And sure enough, that that was such a robotic conversation that we had. It was fun as hell. It was. No, it was good. We had a good time. And neither one of us knew what we were doing. That was like the third or fourth episode that I did. And back then, it was just very scripted, very robotic. And I wasn't really letting people see who I was, without a doubt. I mean, I tried to, you know, be me as much as I was able to at the point, but I wasn't really an authentic me at the at that podcast. We should go back and listen to it and, you know, Right. You were being thought that you wanted, like you wanted people to see a certain side of you. And that was the only part that you wanted to be like, this is who I am now, you know, but they want to see how you became that, you know, where you were to become this person that you are right now. And we had that conversation in my apartment the one time, Yeah, you know, where it was like, dude, like people want to hear your story. People want to hear all the stuff that you've been through. What brought you to this point? That's the beautiful part of it, you know? That's the, that was, I think the, the change in the podcast, it was, I think the name of the podcast was, it was like seeking approval or something like that's where I kind of changed it a little bit. But before then it was very scripted in nature and I credit you for kind of challenging me to do that. You said, I like what you're doing, but you definitely don't sound like you. Like you should almost be like, it was, it's you and I bullshitting, having a conversation. That's what you need to let people see. People are people are going to actually buy into what you're you're trying to get them to do and really want to help people. They need to see that you're fallible, that you're not like you're not this like fake version that you're you know you've made mistakes, you fucked up, and here's here's how you corrected it, and here's what you did. So that conversation, I mean, I look back on my life, you know, ten conversations maybe that I've had that have really made a big impact. That was one of them, without a doubt. And at the time, you were just like, hey, bro, like fucking loosen up, man, you know. Yeah, it was just like I was fucking ball bat. What the hell? Yes, yeah, because it was like, what's separating you right now? You know, you you had a quote, you had this. The content was great, but again, you could type in what is discipline on Google, and that's pretty much. It was just like you know, reading off from that. You know, um, 
And all of a sudden you started to relate it to your life and you started to change up the, how you presented it. And then it was so much more digestible and people started to reach out more and started to realize like you're a human being. There's a person behind there speaking. This It's not just like, you know, writing down the perfect way to, to say it. And that's what I think started to change your podcast a lot. And it was, it, it made it. And I, and I think you enjoyed it way more. Oh, you know, absolutely. we're coming up with these, like, they weren't a, a chore for you to do anymore. Not that they were before, but I feel like it was now so much more relatable yeah. for you. And so I look at it in two ways. One, um, it became more about telling a story then. I think if you, like for this to be successful, you have to be able to weave a lesson into some kind of a story, a life lesson that you've experienced yourself or something that you heard about, where you're able to draw people into a story. And then the other thing I think about is, you know, being able to just like drop the guard, you know, being able to be like, I, I don't need to have this guard up in front of me anymore. And I also think when you think about people that, you know, we're trying to reach, we're trying to help people, like, in my opinion, they're, they're looking for someone that maybe was where they were a couple months ago. So right. maybe, maybe people might see me or you or whoever as, you know, we were where they were now and we kind of were able to make a couple adjustments in our life take a couple steps forward. Now we can turn around and reach back and say, let me help you get to where I am now. And then we continue to hopefully all together move forward. I think that there's some of that that goes on as well. Yeah. You build on each other's success, you know, as everyone keeps going, we keep adding on top of it. And it's funny you mentioned that because people come up to me and I remember I was having a conversation with these people at lunch and they're like, Oh man, I just, I gave a presentation before and I was so nervous and I was freaking out going into it. And I looked at her and I was just like, Oh man, like I totally get that. And she was like, you wouldn't understand. Like you're great at presenting. You're so good. You have such good people skills. Like you don't get worried about that. You're totally fine. And I was like, what, excuse me. What? I was like, you, you mentioned that you did a presentation and my palms got sweaty. Right. You know what I mean? And I started to get nervous and my hands started shaking and I could feel my shoulders rise up to my ears just from someone else talking yeah, about it. Right. They look at me and because maybe I have something that they don't have, they assume, well, this person has everything, right? This person has everything together. They could do all the things that they can't do because let's say it's hard for them, whatever, to, to work out consistently. And I do that consistently. They're like, well, then he must be perfect. That's it. He has everything, you know, and that's so not the case. <laughs> So you mentioned before when we when we did the podcast together in July when we first it was July fifth or eighth or something when we sat down yeah. to do the first podcast together, and I just think about basically what we did and I mean we should go back definitely and listen to it again but basically what we did was we the whole thing was like twelve minutes we probably stopped and edited fifteen times we would talk about something and you'd be like yeah and you need to know your 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 your, your oh fuck. Stop. And you're like, oh, son of a bitch. I'm so stupid. <laughs> he's not like Tommy boy, like talking to, to himself. They're like, just keep going, man. It's yeah, fine. Just, just cut it out. <laughs> and then we had to adjust the audio a couple different times. And I kept saying, and I still do this a lot. I would say so and like, and um. I said, remember, you remember the word that I said every, I think I, I said super like you said it was a super horrific thing. It was, I was like, I'm super excited to be here and I'm super happy because the first pillar is super, it's, it's super duper. So, and I looked at you and I'm like, I've never said super in my entire life. And I've said it 50 times. Right. We had to cut out the supers that I said, because it was too many. There's a certain amount of supers that are too. I didn't think there was too many because I think super is a great word. You know, it sounds like you're a superhero, but when yeah. you say it fifteen thousand times in an interview, I think the, the benchmark is one every fifteen minutes of, of actual airtime. Mm, so okay. if this goes for forty five minutes, you can say it three times, and you've already said it twelve. I I know. So we gotta so watch now. Yeah, we're yeah. You're you're in the bank now for that. Studies show that every fifteen minutes you can say super. So now, now we you need to come up with another word. Terrific. Terrific. Yeah. Oh, I started to look up some synonyms to it after we had that. It was a really, um, you know, that, that was a moment for me where I reflected on who I am and what synonyms. my life was. synonyms are important. Yeah. So one thing I definitely want to talk to you about today, it wasn't like we, there's no script for this whatsoever. Like we did not talk about basically what we're going to talk about, how we're going to talk about it. We're just going to kind of go 
and BS. But one thing I wanted to bring up with you was that idea of how you, you would get anxious in public speaking settings. So you have, people might not know this and I'll just, you know, we talked, I wanted to make sure that it was okay to bring this up, but you have a history where you've dealt with anxiety and depression for a large part of your life. Yeah. Right? These are two things that have always been a part of who you are is dealing with, you get really anxious, especially in social situations that you're not ready for. And then you have to deal with, you've dealt with depression for a majority of your life as well. So if we were to kind of track back to your childhood, and so for those of you that don't know my, with my brother, Anthony, I was 14 years old when Anthony was born. So he was born in 1991. Um, I was born in 19, uh, December of 1976. So when Anthony was born, I was um, in, I was in eighth grade. It was, uh, it was my eighth grade year when Anthony was born. And it was, he was born five days before the Giants beat the Buffalo Bills in Super Bowl 25. I still, that was the day you came home from the hospital, believe it or not. Was yeah. uh, Scott Norman. So I've been part of three giant Super Bowls. Yes. Think about how crazy that is. That's, that's wild in itself. Yep. You know? So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. So you, you, I was 14 years older than you growing up. And so our, you know, a lot of your childhood, I, I served as this role, like I was your older brother, but I also played like a fathering kind of role for you. So, you know, I was like 20 years old when you were five, I coached your T-ball team. And that was one of the reasons why I switched my major to go into education was working with your team and enjoying that coaching aspect. So I saw you kind of go through this journey of, you know, from when you were really little, I still remember, and this was, this is kind of weird, but like, I still remember you would just do things to make people laugh. You yeah, that was, I was just, that. Yeah. and that's that, like, I, like my whole thing was I wanted to be, I wanted to make you guys have a good time. I wanted to make sure that everyone in the family was having fun. You would be there and I would put myself through hell to make everyone laugh, no matter what the hell drop kicks. You would run and yeah. just do a drop kick and land on the floor. It was hysterical, but like. You would turn and look at me and you would be like, you would, I would be at my friend's house, right? Across the street. You would call me up and say, aunt, you have to come home. Like mom wants you back. And I'd be like, all right. And I walk home and I'd be like, what? And you'd be like, make us laugh. Like make us laugh. And you would bring me back home from my friend's house. Cause you wanted me to make you laugh. And sure enough, I would run into the wall. I would drop kick. Like I would run full speed and mid air, do a kick and land right on my face, like literally right on my ass. Like when I would do it and just sprint down the hallway and you would bust up laughing and I would be bruised up and banged up. And it was I'm like, myself, I'm so sorry that that happened. I really didn't know that you were getting hurt that way. I, you know, yeah, I had to lie to the teachers about what was going on at home, but um, it's it's fine. It's okay. Is that the truth? Did you really have to do that? No, 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 no. I mean, only a couple, but well, yeah. It was one of my services were at our house so often. Yeah, and that's where my anxiety started. But uh, <laughs> so listen, I like someone's probably gonna knock on my door and like from back in the day saying, "Listen, you need to." pay retro, retribution to your younger brother. So I didn't realize that it was that deep. We, it was pretty much you making, like you just had this really great timing and way of making people laugh. And, um, but that was like, that was one thing that I remember about growing up is that you always had this really cool comedic sense and you could, you just got it. You know, some people have a, a comedic timing and a comedic sense and some people don't. And those of you who really know, you know that you have that. Um, but the other thing is that you really started to struggle with anxiety at a young age as well. I like, I remember one thing that I remember was the, like the weather was something that was really like, that key, like that yeah. would set you off in a certain direction. I was so like, again, I don't know, like I, I read all these books and stuff and I try and analyze where all this came from. Cause if people can relate, they know that anxiety, it's like, so hard to describe and like usually it roots from a specific scenario that happens and it's not like i had this traumatic moment in my life you know so like i started out and i grew up with a great family and a loving family and they're all still you know our parents are still together right now and um but i look back and like i i started out and i was just like again i wanted to perform i wanted to be and i feel like because i was the youngest i wanted to make sure i got attention you know, in some way, because I was so young. So I was like, all of them are older. So my stuff wasn't important. Again, this is me like analyzing it. And this is how my mind works all the time. But, like I needed to do something to show that I, I was worth 
something, you know, that I was worthy. So let me be really funny and do that. Um, but yeah, I was like, I felt like I remember, um, our mother got a report card back from my third grade teacher. And she was like, you know, Anthony's great. His grades are really good. He's always on time. He's very respectful, but he's so nervous all the time. Like he can't, he's just so worried about screwing up. He's so worried about not being right. He's so worried about not pleasing myself or other students. Right. And that's been a ref that's been my whole life, you know, is, is trying to be this people pleaser. But um, getting back to your weather thing. So, like, again, I think I just like it, it carries from one thing to another. So, like one time it's weather and then it's, you know, a disease or then it's this or then it's that. So when it was weather, it was like I would see the weather. And for some reason, remember the movie Twister? Yeah, I do. It's a great movie. Phenomenal movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, which I've probably seen that so many damn times. Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt. I'm oh my God. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, are you kidding me? It's a stellar lineup. It's yep. phenomenal. So um I'll give you five bucks if you if you remember the name of the little machine that they had the little the little Dorothy. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, I told I, this was my like so okay. I watched my box. Yeah, there you go. You owe me that. Um, but again, like that movie, like I would watch all these movies and I would watch certain things that had to do with weather. And for some reason, it came, it always came back to like the worst case scenario. So weather to me was something you couldn't control. So I, I can't control the weather. And that freaked me out. It made me really nervous. Right. So I, I always assumed that whenever there was a storm that was coming, it was going to be the worst. Because I would hear about the worst. There would be like one scenario where somebody died from a tornado, like, you know, in Jersey 10 years ago or something. And that's what I hold on to. Yeah. So I would fester on that moment that someone had a bad situation. And I would assume that that was, I would generalize it to the whole thing. Like, this is what's going to happen 100%. So anytime a storm hit, I assumed that a tornado was going to hit. And that we were going to die and we were going to have to go into the basement and that someone was going to get sucked up. So I would watch it constantly. And you would watch me go from room to room to room. And it would be like that, uh, 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 like on the TV. Like, so again, for the people who just like go on computers to see the, the weather, you can just go on to weather.com. We would just put it on the on the television and on the bottom, there would be that red strip that would come across and it would blare out in this loud siren, like Chernobyl siren that yeah. would come across. And every time I'd run in there, cause that was like a siren and it would like alert me and I'd run in there and it would say the same thing. And it said the same thing for two and a half hours. But again, that was my anxiety, just like going and going and going. And I would look, I would go from window to window to window. And it, and again, like, you know, the, the dad called me howdy Doppler, you yeah. know, and, how do you, how do you Doppler? Howdy Doody and, and a Doppler radar together. And yeah. it was like, again, I was just like, I would want to go into the basement and I would want to, I would just get so nervous all the time. But I think it roots back to that being something that was out of my control. And I was just so, I don't know, it made me so nervous. And granted, like right now I could care less. A storm could right. come and I'm not, I'm not worried about it, but it was something that it was like, I needed something. My anxiety needs something to live. You know, and it's like, it sounds weird. This is actually the first time I'm saying it out loud, but it makes sense to me right now. When I say that, we're like, I had anxiety and it needed to, it needed like a host to like keep, you know, to, to stay alive. And that host was the weather at that, at that time in my life. And then it went from there and was a disease, you know, me getting brain cancer or something. And then it was social anxiety. Um, and it held on to social anxiety for a very long time. And then it was, you know, people pleasing or it was, um, you know, people judging me or not being right or whatever, you know, so it keeps like latching on to other things, if that makes sense. So. It does. And the social anxiety piece around presentational type things, I think that's where I, I know I saw it the worst, where it was, I, I felt so bad for you as you went through that in high school where you were basically giving a presentation and you what blacked out, you passed out in front of the so class. It, was, it started, it's funny because my, my freshman year, no, my sophomore year, I, I gave presentations and I was fine with it. I never had an issue giving presentations. 
um, I would get in front of the class and I would talk and I actually didn't, I liked doing it because I liked being in control of that. And I knew that I could do it. I wanted to do that and I didn't want someone else to do it because I thought that that would affect my grade and that worried me. So like, I wanted to be the person to present. I was like, just let me do this. But then when I was a sophomore, it was the, it was like the end of the year and it was the last project and it counted for like half our grade or something like that. And it was like a book report we had to do. And I was the last person to go. And I was so worried because I, I had the whole semester to think about that project. And I was the last person to do it. And I stood up in front of the class and I'll never forget this. And I stand there and I'm like, I start and I rehearsed it so many times. You can ask mom, like I did it like over and over and over again in front of her. I did it in front of the family and I stand there and I start speaking and all of a sudden I just feel this like heat come over me. And then I start feeling my voice start to shake and I could feel my throat start to shake and like I could hear my voice and then I could feel my hands start to shake. And then I could feel the sweat coming and then I could feel people who weren't paying attention are now paying attention because of how I'm looking and I'm bright red. And then I remember one person said, are you okay? And once they said that, then the floodgates opened up and I was like, I, I was visibly shaking and I couldn't speak. And then I said, I needed to go to the nurse. I was like, I have to go to the nurse. I'm sorry. And I walked out of the class and, and I didn't go back. And after that, and I remember I sat in the nurse's office and I cried my eyes out. I was just like so mortified that I did that. And I, I thought everyone hated me. And, and I, and it's just, it's crazy to think about because I talk to people from that class still today and they don't remember that moment at all. They have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. And that's the most significant moment in my life right now that completely changed the person that I am and how I look at presenting, right? Or how I look at social situations. Cause I never identified myself as someone with social anxiety until that moment. Mm -hmm. And then I learned what social anxiety was. And I said, that's what I have. And then I decided that that's who I am. Like, okay, so this is who I am now, which I'm not, I'm not that, uh, but I thought that I was. So, so that moment, all of a sudden now, every class that I went into, I reached out to the teacher before and I said, I have social anxiety. Please don't call on me. And then I saw 15,000 therapists. I was on every medication known to man. I was on antidepressants that, you know, I lost my sex drive at 16 years old. I had insomnia. I didn't sleep for two weeks. I had worse anxiety. I had more suicidal thoughts. I had like it. And I was just experimenting with all these drugs from doctors to get rid of the social anxiety that I, that I didn't even identify as until that moment happened. And then I was on enough Xanax that I had thoroughbus clonopin at that point. And the doctor gave me like, it was like a hundred clonopin 0.5 milligrams of clonopin and a hundred of them and gave it to a 16 year old. And I would have a scary moment and I would take seven and wouldn't remember the whole day. I would have no idea. I remember I pulled over on the side of the road and I turned, I put my car in park and I fell asleep on 195 on a main road out there um, on a highway. And I pulled over to the side to fall asleep. And I don't remember any of that, none of it, because I, I was a teenager and I had these pills in my hand to help me with my social anxiety rather than getting to the root of what's going on and why I thought that it was defined me, you know, or what it meant. Um, and it, and again, that, that bled over into everything, you know, so like a moment that I had been, so fast forward to the next year, rather than a project, they asked us to just introduce ourselves in class and they went around the room and they got to me and I had the same exact response. Never, never have I had that. I had the same exact response. I start sweating. I start shaking. The kid next to me goes, dude, are you cold? What's up? Like you look cold. What's going on? And then I left, I walked out of the class and I bounced and I went to the nurse and, um, and I was mortified again. I'm like, well, that's it. I don't. And then I don't ever want to go back to that class. And again, you think any of those people remember that moment? No, probably not but that changed my life. And that made me think that that's the only, that's the person that I am. I'm a person who can't speak in situations where I need to perform, you know? And so like, it's just, it really, it, it crippled me like really bad. Yeah. And, you know, it, it really was, it was hard to deal with 
when when that was happening. And so that was so you talked about your junior year in high school, and so you went on to a you know a five hundred four plan, which is basically a it's a legal document where there's a medical condition that exists that um, prevents someone from accessing an equal opportunity for an education because of whatever the medical situation exists. So because of that anxiety, um, your fear of speaking in public, you got a 504 plan. And basically the 504 plan said, there's, we'll come up with accommodations for you. So this way you can equally access your education. Right. And so that, that started your junior year in high school. Yeah. Yeah. The the first time that they did that was in junior year. They were trying to like figure out what this was. And I was talking to a bunch of people and this is where um, I spoke to the guidance counselor at the school and that's where they kind of set me up with that. And then they got the word from like the, the site, the psychologist I was talking to, I was talking to a psychiatrist and a psychologist at the same time. And they were collaborating with that. So. And so that followed you to college. Yeah. And that's, Again, this is where it got worse, in my opinion. Like it, it went from high school where it was it was bad, and I was nervous and I was worried about things, and um, but then it would go to college where I realized that when I drink, I don't feel like that anymore. If I take drugs, I don't feel like that anymore. Not not to the extent, right? So it would almost numb me when I would do that. So what I would do is I would have a presentation or the first day of class and I would have a water bottle and I would have vodka in there or I would have something, I would have alcohol in there, any alcohol. And I would sip on that. Even if I just had it in my bag, it would calm me down, but I would have it with me everywhere. I went knowing that that was my way that I could do it, that I could deal with it. Or um, again, I would have some sort of, a drug or something to make me feel better and make me deal with these situations. But again, there would be times that I would have a presentation, not remember the presentation because I would be drunk because I would be hammered at nine o'clock in the morning so that I could do a presentation for no other reason. And I hated the way that I felt and I was focused on fitness and I, I knew that I was hurting myself and I'm drinking poison, but I could deal with standing up in front of people. And that was the only way, literally the only way that I got through college because I would, I, I had to do all this stuff and they didn't give a shit about the 504 plan or it, it, it carried over, but it didn't carry any weight there. And honestly, I, I don't know what's better if it did carry weight and everyone just, you know, treats me like I'm this, you know, delicate human being that you can't speak to or don't call on him or the way that I dealt with it, which was just, you know, numbing myself with, with alcohol. And, and again, that screwed me up. And then we could talk about the the injury that I had, which that, that completely changed my life as well. You know, it, it, it just, all these things happen. And I, I just, again, it comes back to me identifying myself as someone who is anxious, who is, who socially can't handle himself, who can't, 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 unless I have the, like, I just, I couldn't do anything. In my opinion, if you looked at me on the street, I was of, I hated myself. I hated who I was. I was so worried all the time. The worst case scenario was going to happen to me no matter what. I was either thought I was going to die or I was going to do something that I was going to embarrass myself or whatever everyone's worst nightmare was, I was living in that constantly. And that was just my thought process. And so that turned into, I mean, one, you, you went to the extreme with your physical fitness. So for those of you who don't know my brother, um, he is just, he is the, the a pillar of physical fitness, just a specimen when it comes to, you know, aesthetically, you know, his training routine, his nutrition, it's on point. It's, it's really unbelievable at 30 years old, the way he's able to, you've sustained this for the last 10 plus years of your life. And I mean, you're my fitness coach. Like whenever there's any question about whatever, I hear the person that I go to. And I, I'm really curious about how, so, you know, rewind back to that point, you know, where you're, um, you're really anxious about everything. You see yourself as you're identifying who you are is someone who can't speak in public, who's socially anxious, who is not worthy, worthwhile, worthy, whatever, um, who's depressed. You're all this negative self-talk that's going on in your head, but you're still able to maintain this level of physical fitness. Was that like your, 
you know, your um, outlet. So you use, you know, training and lifting. Was that like your, that was how you would cope with things. So you use some alcohol and some drugs to numb yourself, but then was, was fitness kind of what helped you? It was like, it was almost like harnessing my, it was moving my addiction into something that was, that was more long-term or something that, that, was a little more sustainable and something that was better for me. You know, it was still an addiction in my opinion. Yeah. I think I have an addictive personality. Um, and I found something that makes me feel better about myself without the use of drugs or alcohol that I could do. And I've done that all my life and I've been pretty damn strong and I've looked pretty good my whole life. Like I've never been fat. I've never, again, like genetically I was blessed. Like I've, I take a poop and I have six pack abs. Like it just, whatever that that's the way that it is. But I also bust my ass now for the last 10 years, I work really, really hard at getting that granted. If I didn't do anything, would I still look pretty good? I'm sure. But, it, but I also put in the work and that allowed me to be like, well, if I drink right now or I take drugs or I do something right now, is that going to affect my, my workout tomorrow? Or is that going to affect the way that I feel the next day as far like it, it it's, I started to kind of like rethink how I was going about my day because I didn't want that to ruin my, um, my training sessions that I was having. That was really important to me, you know? And so once I started to think about that, then I, I started to kind of get away from the whole, I mean, it, I think what changed my idea of fitness was the fact like when I, when I had my, my injury, so I broke my leg in two places when I was 19 and, um, I, I broke my like almost like, remember the Louisville, uh, um, it was the same exact the final four game. Yes. And where the, it pierced through the skin, except I slipped on ice. It wasn't in an awesome basketball game. I was just walking up to pet a dog and just slipped on ice and snapped my leg. And so that I was in, again, I'm just going these up and down depressions, you know, and that was another depression. And I was able to bounce back from that and rehab myself and use my knowledge of fitness and the physical therapist I was going to see. And I realized like I was able to heal myself and I was able to walk on and play football at the college level. And that was a huge accomplishment to me. And that allowed me to kind of reframe my thinking like, I could, I could totally do this. I could do this for a living. I can help other people who were in this state because I could have easily just kept taking all those Percocets they were giving me and sat on my ass and kept eating and just been felt sorry for myself, you know, and, and I didn't, and I took it and changed my thought process a little bit. Granted, it was really hard yeah. because I, they did give me all of those drugs and things. And that's what I was, you know, my addiction went to that and went to something else, but again, that's what started to change my thought. And I was just like, okay, I could do this. I could, if I did this for myself and I was in such a horrible state where um, like a state of depression and I got out of that, I could help other people with that. And that's what I want to do, you know? So. And so one thing, I mean, we need to trademark this right now, take a poop and have six pap abs by Anthony Moralda. I mean, there's, there's a lot there. I mean, everyone's pooping. There's a, I mean, everybody poops. Don't forget that. Someone wrote a book and they made millions of dollars. Everyone poops. Listen, if you can, if you can publish, you know, take a poop and have six pack abs. Listen, there's something. Anthony Roth, that's, that's the quick fix. That, so that's my, uh, that's my book that I'm selling. That's my yo-yo diet. Yeah. You take a dump and you get, you get a six, you get six pack abs. So now, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned um, how you were able to kind of start pulling yourself out of it. And it was going through all that shit that you went through with the anxiety, with the depression, when you broke your leg, I still remember um, being at the hospital when that happened. It was actually the it was the, the Saints were playing the Seahawks, and that's when Marshawn Lynch totally had thirteen yeah. guys into the end zone. I think like you know Sean Payton came off the sideline and was trying to tackle him as well. It was just and it was like going in to see you afterwards after you know that experience. It was something just seeing you in that state was really difficult for me as your older brother seeing you in this spot where I was like I couldn't help you at that time, but seeing how you took that, you know, you it definitely, you went through these role, this roller coaster of emotion, but going through the PT and you're like, I'm going to be stronger than I was before. And think that you're so much stronger than you are before, not only yeah. physically, but just your mental state. 
So I know anxiety is something that I struggled with in the past. Depression is something that I struggled with in the past. I was on anti-anxiety medication um, within the past five years. And it's something that had really clouded who I was. And, and it, so I understand, you know, not wanting to rely on medication. Some people do, but a lot of people that are listening to this, they deal with anxiety. It's just, it's, you know, something where they wake up and you feel a certain way. You feel that kind of heaviness in your chest and you're avoiding situations. So what would you say is something that kind of helped you get through that work? I mean, anxiety is always going to be a part of who we are. We did just like, it will creep in from time to time. But when I look at you now versus even a year or two years ago, I mean, it's, you're a different person as far as just how you're carrying yourself and your level of confidence in social situations and how you're able to help people that are struggling with things that you struggle with as well. So what would, what are, you know, some strategies you might give to people that might be, you know, dealing with anxiety or depression on their own? I feel like it comes down to you realizing that it's almost not about like who you like, I, I again, not like I identifying by that anxiety and also not, not trying to like change who, like assuming that, like, I, I always wanted to be, a different person, right? I thought that like, if I could, if I could just be this person who could talk confidently, or I could just be, and I would look at people and I was like, I want to be that. I want to be like Tony Robbins, or I want to be like, you know, these public speakers who can go out there and do that. My anxiety makes me who I am. I'm fucking awesome because I have anxiety. (laughs) Like that is, in my opinion, anxiety is energy. It's the fact that I give a shit about what I'm doing. If I get anxious about something, it means that I care. So if you harness that and change it up a little bit, you can have, you can use it to your advantage. I think people with anxiety are, can change the world because they have so much passion, but they're holding it in and they're so scared to to spew it out. And what I would say is don't be scared to spew it out because it feels so much better when you just talk about it and you use it to your, to, to, to spread your word or to say what you're thinking and, you know, talk, talk with, with passion, talk proudly. Um, It was so hard for me to do that because what I would do is I would go into this small little shell and I would refrain from talking and I would try and like make myself smaller. But if I made myself bigger, and I projected my voice a little bit more and I would try and like really use the energy that was built up. It it made such a difference. So like, and again, I'm not saying that being on antidepressants is bad or being on any medication, because I think that that is one of the reasons why I was able to get out of the hole that I was in because of that, you know, it helped me do that. It helped me calm the monkeys in my head, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't identify who you are. You're not that. If if you if someone asks you, tell me a little bit about yourself. The first thing you should say isn't I have anxiety or I have social anxiety. And that's what I would say. I would talk to people and I would wait for the moment to tell them I have social anxiety just in case something came up. Yeah. But I don't do that anymore because I don't care. And if that happens and I screw up, then okay, what's the worst that can happen? Am I going to die? No. I'm not going to die from that situation. Like it's going to, is it, yeah, it might be a little embarrassing, but just like we talked about, no one remembers my most embarrassing moment in my entire life. None of those kids recall, you know what I'm saying? So it, it really just kind of like using that to your advantage is the biggest thing. And so I think that's a great point. And so it's not saying I don't have anxiety anymore. It's like, we all will have some level of anxiety. It's not, it's not saying I'm, an anxious person saying like, I feel I've dealt with anxiety. I've had anxiety. You feel anxious, right? Like you feel, yes. Like this is not you use, you. you use it to, everybody has those things. And so I look at um, responses to stress in our life. You know, when you think about, think about almost like a pyramid and there are certain stressors in your life that are beneficial. You know, before you're going to compete in an athletic event, you feel, you know, the butterflies in your stomach a little bit, your, your heart starts to race a little bit, but hopefully it helps your mental acuity to like focus in on whatever the task at hand. Some people, before they give a presentation, they have this level of, you know, their palms get a little bit sweaty, but it can drive them to be better. 
I know for me, if I have something like say tomorrow, I have a big presentation coming up. Um, I know tomorrow morning, like I'm going to be on my eight. Like I'm going to wake up ready to go. I'm going to put the finishing touches on it. That pressure is like, for me, it fuels me to be better. As long as you're using it in that way where it's this beneficial level or response to stress, once it starts going into like a, you know, traumatic or toxic level of stress, that's when we have to, you know, get outside help. We got to make sure that we're talking to someone and you've done that over the course of your life. You've, you've had people that you've talked to, you've talked to therapists, you've talked to psychologists, psychiatrists, you've had your family to talk to, you needed that, you know, medication to help kind of get you from one point to another point. But you also learned a ton about yourself and now you're taking that and you're helping people that are struggling with it as well kind of like wrapping it back to our initial conversation with the podcast like trying to figure out ways to help people that are below us that have gone not below us like socially or anything but have gone through a struggle that we've we've been able to maybe step a, a step or two above and like okay let me kind of help you get to where i am right now you know to, to kind of help you kind of bridge that gap i guess yeah no it, it makes sense and that and i love what you said there where it's like I now look at anxiety as like my, my power, you know, like that's like my strength. I am anxious, man. Yeah. I'm anxious. Like that's who I am, you know? And it's like, if you don't like that, then that's okay. You know, I, I don't, I think that it shows that I care. I think that it shows that I'm very, I'm very empathetic. I feel what you feel. I'm in that moment. I'm with you. I'm with you in the trenches. I'm taking grenades with you, John, you know, like I'm, I just, I feel like I can use that so much. And I, I tried resisting it my whole life and tried to be something that I wasn't. And that never helped, you know? And once I kind of like went into it face first and just leaned into that anxiety and was like, cool, let's see what this is about versus trying to run away or write an email that said that, uh, you know, my 504 plan and say that I couldn't do it, I'd be like, if there was something that I was super anxious about, I'd be like, I need to do that. I need granted. I'm not, I'm not telling people that I'm going out there and speaking in front of all these people. I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. Like I'm really, I'm still battling with this, but what I'm saying is like there every day I try and do something that makes me a little uncomfortable with my social anxiety. And I battle with this every day, but I look at it as a blessing. I look at it as a good thing. Cause I'm like, it just shows how much I care. I, I care about people so much. I care about others. I put them in front of me all the time. Your level of empathy is way off the charts. Like I think about like a bell-shaped curve and I talk to people about this often. You know, when you think about a bell-shaped curve like most people are within, you know, the, the norm range within a standard deviation away from the mean or the center. Your level of empathy is off the charts. You know, you have a level of empathy that's like a brilliant level. It would be like having 140 IQ that's how your empathy is. You have this level where you can feel, you can put yourself in other people's shoes. And it's such a rare gift that you have uh, to be able to really feel people's pain in, in any way, shape or form. Like you can, you can put yourself in any person's situation. We've often had conversations and I'll bring something up to you and you're like, then like, think about it from their perspective for a second. Like, you know, stop being a 44 year old white guy and put yourself into this person's shoes and how would they feel in this situation and maybe that would adjust how you would react or your point of view there. So um, yeah. I definitely think that that's the case. And maybe you're, you know, dealing with the anxiety has helped you put yourself in other people's shoes in a deeper level. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost to like a fault of mine where I, I get too, I get too invested in things. Um, and I, I get too involved and I feel too much from others, you know, but, but I also, I, I wouldn't give it up for the world because it makes me get so close to other people. I learn so much about other people because when you're talking, you're the only thing that I'm focused on right now, you know, because <laughs> I start on the podcast, except for the, the start of this episode. You were right. Well, I was just entranced again. I was so entranced with what you were talking about that I just, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't so think it's of funny. I just, I just interviewed Sean. Right. And so Sean, as we're, you know, moving toward the future with building men, you know, I'll still do an individual podcast and I'll still have interviews. Like what we'll do is me, you, Sean and, and Greg Lewis, who people will meet soon. Um, we're going to get together once a week and we're going to just talk about topics related to, masculinity we're going to talk, just just kind of have an opportunity to shoot the shit a little bit um but this real kind of raw you know grassroots kind of way 
And I kind of introduced Sean as like this very spiritual, um, you know, the way that he thinks is at a different level. It's a, it's about the universe and it's about, you know, setting people up for success in that way and confidence. And, and so I was calling him the wizard. You are more of this, like the, the archetypal, like lover or artist, I would say, like you have this really empathic way about you, but you're also super creative. Like people don't know this about you as well, but you are an unbelievable artist. And, you know, um, you know, while your physical fitness is probably the thing that people see the most, just they can view you and see that, um, you know, you're, you're creative, you write, you draw, you paint. I mean, even just your, you know, you have these different characters that you can, that you can become. Um, so I wanted to bring on a guest to the show. So, so for those of you who can, who can see this on, on Instagram, I just have to bring this guy out. <laughs> Look at this dash. Is that not, I'll tell you what. This is a, this is Anthony. To think that I did that, like I was walking around like that. Like, look at what a sad excuse for a mustache that is. It is. How, how old were you in this picture? What do you think? Dude, it wasn't that long ago. That was like two years ago. <laughs> I mean, we're acting, I, I wish I could say I was 17, but I think I think I was like 28. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, that looks like someone who shouldn't be allowed within a hundred yards of a school. <laughs> And you would never know that I work at a school like that. That's. So, that's, that's so is this going to throw you if, if he's with us for the remainder? No, no I, 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 want, I want him to be just a reminder. You know, that's just the look. He's literally staring right at me right now. Well, like, he will look at you no matter where you go in the room. I was telling my kids before I came in, I was like, guess he's coming into this interview. They're like, I, I'm like <laughs> Uncle Noni. Uncle Noni's coming in. For those of you who are listening, like my kids call my brother Anthony Uncle Noni. That's just been what he's been called since my son was little and he couldn't pronounce Anthony. So he's been Uncle Noni since that point. So this is this is creepy. This is creepy Noni. Creepy, creepy Uncle Noni. Um, I can't concentrate on myself doing the podcast right now. So for those of you that are just listening, um, I'm definitely going to try to try to go to Instagram and just check out the video on Instagram because this will be up there. You got to you gotta take a look at Creepy Noni. So I'm gonna put Creepy Noni away for a second. But I was just mentioning your um your, your creative sense. And um I was at Julie's house, you know, maybe a week and a half ago, and we're there with her son Liam, and I was like, you gotta listen to my brother do some some impersonations. And I give you a call, Mike Anthem. I'm like, can you do can you call me up as Tom Costigan? Can you give me a, a quick call as Tom? And so I just I was hoping I could just ask Tom just a quick question about his thoughts on the Super Bowl this past year about Tom Brady winning it again. Uh, what's your question, Dennis? What, what do you need to know? Because, listen, I don't have a lot of time right now, and I know you're, you're a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. We're both working men, and that's the biggest thing. So what the hell is your question? What, what, Tom Brady, am I a fan? What, what, do you, what do you want from me? What, I, well, one, I'm curious to think what you thought about Brady winning this, another Super Bowl, not in a, not a Pats uniform. Listen, listen. I, I'm a I'm a Pats fan through and through. All right. That's the biggest thing. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, do I love Tom? Tom's gotten me a bunch of Super Bowls. We both know that. Right. Listen, when you grow up in Gloucester, it's it's you, you love the Pats and you, no matter what, you're a Pats fan. But watching Tom Brady up there, listen, Patrick Mahomes, who is who is that? You know, I, I want I want Brady to do well. I'm okay with that, you know. So I'm what do you think about baseball? What do you for with baseball? Do you I'm a so, what do you think? I'm, a, I'm not going to tell you. I'm a Sox fan. What are you nuts, Dennis? Uh, I, again, Boston through and through. This is what I do. This is what I lit. I, I, you can't. And I know, I know you're a Yankees guy, and I can't. I don't want to get into that because we're not going to get into an argument right now, and I don't want to embarrass you in front of your family. You know, I know your kids there, and I don't want to do that. I'm not trying to, you know say what I'm really thinking about you, which is that you're a cocksucker, but we're not going to go. We're not going to go there right now. We're going to stay. We're going to make it. Hey, very listen, that's, the first time, kid. that's the first time cocksucker has been said on the building Men podcast. That just made uh, history right there. Well done. So well, that, that's from Tom Costigan himself. Just saying. So that's, that's my, um, that's one of my favorites is you doing, doing TC from, uh, from Boston. My, but I mean, true, true to my heart, just growing up in Central Jersey, this guy, who is it? Is it Nate? What's his name from, uh, from Philly? Uh, Tim, Tim Novak. Tim yeah. Novak. So listen, Dan, it's, you know, it, 
makes me mad how you introduce me and you don't even know my name, you know, and I'm sitting here, I'm, you know, I'm down and I'm, you know, you know, I, I was a rowing guy. You knew I was a rowing guy. I've been having hoagies for as long as I can remember. And the last time I met this jerk off is I picked him up in my van. You know, I had a couple buddies in the back. He's got a new broad with him, which I don't know who that is, but we go to the, to the flyers game and I tell him, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, they're late showing up, you know, we're already late to the game and you know, it just pisses me off how he treats me. You know, I just really don't appreciate it, but he just, you know, listen, I'm a South Jersey guy. He's a central Jersey guy. I'm trying to get him over to the dark side, but you know, the guy won't do it. He's not about it. So it's fine. Well done, man. And that's, that's, uh, that's off the cup. I was like, I told him like, you know, if the mood hits me right, I'm going to ask uh, Novak and Kosligan just to jump on real quick. And I'm like, dude, come on. Every time that I'm with you, you're just like, do, do Kostigan. And I'm it's like, like, well, it's like me asking you to do a drop kick when you're fucking five years old. I know. Old. No, you're, you're right. You're right. I love that brings up, listen, just for everyone, that brings up a lot of anxiety for me to do that. And I just like, I'm like, well, he said it. And I'm like, oh, screw it. I have to do it. I'm going to so, do it. Well, here's the thing. You fucking go through it, man. You went through it. You're going to get it. And I'm alive. Yeah, you're alive. You did it. And you're so fucking talented, too. That's the thing. You're so fucking talented. And you have this, like, this ability to draw people in. And here's the thing, too. I think about this. There's no way a year ago that you could have even done this. Like, I, I think about getting on a Zoom call with you a year ago. Not that Zoom was even a thing at this point in, in, in 2020, but getting on to a time where you were like, okay, this podcast is going to be listened to by... 800 people or whatever, you know, however many people download the podcast, knowing that that's the case and being comfortable, one, sharing your story, your journey, which you really went out on a limb and you're really raw and exposed yourself. And then, you know, having fun with some shit and, you know, rolling with it. It just, it makes me, it feels good to be able to do this. To me, this is therapeutic. To me, this is my form of therapy to talk to you. Yeah. And like, like you said, I had no idea where this conversation was going to go. This was completely just like organic and natural. And we just sort of went with it. And I, I was, was I nervous going into this? Of course I was, but that's, that's how I knew that I had to do it. And this is just me showing people that like, you're not alone. If you have anxiety, you're not alone. There's people who have, and I'm, I'm like the biggest culprit of this where I'm like, so many people talk to me about how to get over top five ways to get over anxiety. The best ways to do this, the easiest ways to, to speak in public, the best. And I would just look at that as like, it's bullshit. Um, but, and, and I like, I would listen to that and never believe it and never believe it. And finally, I just stopped trying to be something that I'm not and use it to my advantage. And it just, it changed my whole outlook. So it's just like, I feel like I'm speaking to the people who are, who are anxious and feel like there's no one that feels the way that they do, or they're depressed and no one understands what they're going through, or they can't get out of this hole that they're in right now, which I'm sure a lot of people are in. Um, and they're not alone and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not saying that you're going to be somebody different. You're going to be that, but you're going to think about it differently. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm still anxious. I still have moments where I'm depressed. I, I still have times when I worry and think about things I'm human, you know, but, but how I change that and reframe it changes my whole outlook. Yeah. On love. So. And I look at just the journey that you've gone through um, over the past, you know, 10 plus years, you know, going from when you broke your leg at that point and, you know, kind of how you were able to pull yourself up the journey you went on the, you know, spiritual, emotional, physical, mental journey that you've gone on and how I see you helping people and inspiring people. It's really for me to see my younger brother in this position where one, I think you're a total fucking badass. And I think that I, I go to you for advice more than most, you know, more than almost anyone in my life. I go to you for advice. I just trust your sense on things. You, you see things in a, in a very deep, empathetic way, like we talked about before, but I'm just so fucking proud of you and just how you've gone through this journey. It's really remarkable to me. And to, for me to have you a part of what I'm doing with building men, I just want you to be a part of this journey moving forward just because I think, you know, 
one, you're my best friend. And two, like when we're together, I feel like it's a, it's a great, um, you know, yin and yang between the two of us. We both think about things in a little bit of a different way. You know, we, we, but we have a good time when we're doing it. And I feel like together we can, we can certainly help people. So I'm just, I'm thrilled that you're a part of this journey with me and I, I appreciate you coming on here. So how can, how can people find you, Anthony? How can, how can people, you know, get in touch with you? So my Instagram is coach Anthony Miralda. So people can find me on there. Um, my TikTok, which I just started, I'm still figuring it out. So if anyone has like advice, that would be great. I'm trying to do that. Yeah. Um, I think my name is just Anthony Miralda on that. I'm not even sure what it is. Um, but then if you want to email me or have questions about it, then it's Anthony Miralda at gmail.com. So that would be another way that you could reach out. But um, yeah, just like, like going back to what you said really quick, this whole thing that you're doing gave me another sense of life. It gave me another, like, I was in such a rut again, like we talked about this, like roller coaster ride of emotions and, you know, depression and things like that. Like this gave me a sense of purpose again that I didn't have. And I was lacking in my life and you and Sean and Greg and all these people. And again, it just, it, it just aligned and you invited me to come on and speak. And, you know, you kept me a part of this the whole time, even when I wasn't invested, you know, because I had all this other stuff going on and you were like, dude, whenever you want to come back on, you're always invited back, come back in. And I didn't see the potential and I see the potential, you know, and it, and it gave me this life that I needed because I was, I was in such like a dark place and it just, it really, it changed my whole view. So I really appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we all go through that. And, you know, I'm sure each one of us will go through those times where, you know, something doesn't go our way or we have, you know, a bad couple of days or whatever. But the, the cool thing is, is that we're there to support each other and pull each other up when, you know, when we see those moments coming and hopefully they're, you know, those moments that come that are challenging are few and far between moving forward. But, you know, we're definitely there for each other. And I appreciate that. And I'm just glad that you want to be a part of it. I just think I see such value in your, you know, how you approach just life in general. And it just, it, it has, it's a, it's a good balance with the people in the group, but you more than anyone, I mean, just, I trust you implicitly and I just, um, you know, just value your friendship and, and, you know, I love you brother. Well, thank you. Yeah. Love you too, man. Um, this is, this has been awesome. So, um, so Anthony, you said you could reach out to him. It's coach Anthony Moralda on Instagram. Um, Anthony Moralda at Gmail and the TikTok. We think it's Anthony Moralda. I don't know. Just, just look for me and, and give me advice if you have it. Cause I just, I'm trying to figure that out. We all are. So let's just, this is. Listen, it's a work in progress as we're, we're slow. The 90s baby trying to figure this whole thing out. I know there's a way I talk to the kids about this, but they're not helping. So if somebody else can help me, that'd be great. So what do you like do like the floss? Are you doing like dances and your floss is done? I don't know what the dude, I, feel like, over. I, swear, I felt like it was like three months past and I have no idea what the hell's going on. You know, I feel like I knew what was going on and now I just don't know. And it's confusing me. And there's people. Well, listen, you're 30 now. That's what happens. When I'm just confused. I'm confused and everything hurts. <laughs> like, that's just what it is. <laughs> is that what life is from now on? It just gets worse? Is this, I mean, I hope. Uh, listen, I mean, like, I'll tell you, I, I my, my early 40s were just, they were just a sad sack and goo. It was, oh, yeah. I'll tell you, 44 has been great. So yeah. I got that. Right. Yeah, so 14 can, years from now, 14 years from now, you're gonna be, I'm going to be fucking. <laughs> and so I'm trying to come up with a title for the podcast. I mean, I, I don't know if like, you know, shit and six pack abs should be a part of it or not. <laughs> shit in a six pack. That would be good. Shit in a six pack. <laughs> that's, that's actually pretty good. I yeah. But I just had shit in the last title. I don't know how much I want to. Oh yeah. Associated with all shit. I'm not like, sure. I'm not gonna really. I forgot that you uh, yeah. brand yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think it's definitely around you know that idea of you know anxiety, depression, overcoming empathy, um, you know community, and kind of what we're creating here. So we'll come up with a with a working title. But um, yeah. So that's our episode for today. Definitely, you're you're gonna hear Anthony a lot more on Building Men podcast. We're gonna have like kind of a group discussion, but I'll probably have Anthony on. I mean, as often as you want to come on, as even if I'm talking about a topic and you just want to come in and just bullshit and chime in or whatever, that's totally cool with me. Um, 
So you can reach out to build it's building.men on Instagram. That's where I post the majority of my stuff. Facebook is building men podcast. Um, and my Instagram or my uh, email is buildingmencoach at gmail.com. Um, so thank you, Anthony, for coming on. And I uh, will see you next time on Building Men. Thank <laughs> you.